Welcome back to the Adams Ward podcast. Today, we are excited to sit down with Sister Paula Brockman, and I don't know a lot about you, Paula, so I'm excited to hear your story. I'm an open book. Yes, and that's what we like, yeah. So just to get started, tell us kind of where you grew up and your early life. I grew up in Lewiston, Idaho, just down the road, about 100 miles south. Um, Born and raised in the same house my parents still live in today. They moved there shortly after... They were married back in the 1960s, and uh, yeah, I have two sisters. I'm the middle of three. We're all three years apart, and yeah, just grew up there on Ripon Avenue, okay. and I love, it's still home to me. I always say I'm going home when yeah, I'm headed to Yeah, so that's them. about a couple hours away? Yeah, you? it's about a two-hour okay. drive. And are your sisters still there? Actually, yeah, they both ended up settling there. Uh, they both left and came back a little bit. Um, but yep, they're both there with their husbands, and I have one sister with two daughters, so I'm an aunt. So just a bunch of girls. Yep, yeah, <laughs> bunch of girls. And so, do you have memories from growing up? That yeah, lots of good did. memories. Um, I remember growing up on a street where we could just ride our bikes down the street or go down the street and visit our friends. I used to make haunted houses two doors down, and in Margie's house, my best friend, when we were young, we used to turn her basement into haunted houses and have the neighbor kids come in, and we'd scare them. And yeah, I think I, <laughs> it was lots of fun. Yeah, and you char- you charged people? Did you? No, we oh, didn't okay. charge you just, anyone. You just spent a lot of time. No, the, we just uh, loved acting. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She had the cool basement to do it. And hobbies? What kind of? Hobbies? I was really into, honestly, just playing with dolls and things like that. But I loved cars. We would go out into the backyard. We always had a dirt pile from something. My parents were avid gardeners, so they were always always shifting dirt. There was always some kind of dirt pile somewhere. And we would make garages for our little, and tunnels for our little Hot Wheels or Smurf condos out of blocks of wood. We'd have those little Smurf dolls and build them up. Um, I remember in fifth grade, I built, or my parents, so my dad and uncle owned a craft shop there in Lewiston. Actually, it just shut down a few years ago called Brockman's Crafts. And I would go in there every now and then with my dad and he would let me buy some things. And I remember getting little puff balls and they had these little like glass looking plastic things that I can make little sodas out of. <laughs> they look like mixed sodas or like an Italian soda with whipped yeah. cream on top. And I get little cherry balls and put them on top. And I actually, I was able to sell those in fifth grade for 35 cents a piece. Wow. <laughs> and I had a little bit of cash there for a while. Yeah. It, were, I felt rich at least. You were like <laughs> ahead of the trend of those like mini toys. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I just love to make things and I, I just started selling them. A friend wanted one. I told her how much it cost me to make, and I charged her a little extra because my dad taught me how to do that. Oh, it was fun. What a cute story. <laughs> okay, and then education. So you lived there your whole through elementary? Yep, I lived there through elementary, junior high, high school, Lewiston High School. And then I actually went away to Boise State for a semester, and I just got super homesick. And Lewis Clark State College, LCSC there in Lucent had the education program that I wanted. So I ended up moving back home and and graduating from there. In between some of the years, about halfway through college, I went and was a nanny in Arizona for a year. And then I came back for a year and then I went on a mission and then came back and finished college. So it took me about 
nine years to actually graduate after high school from college because <laughs> I did a few different things in the Sounds middle like of it. All so, good yeah, yeah, it so was how fun. How did you know? It sounded like you knew you want to be a teacher. I knew from kindergarten, and I've always thought, when did I first know I want to be a teacher? And I think it was just going to school and meeting a teacher. And because I was one of those kids, like, I remember going to the grocery store before school started. I remember going there and thinking, I want to be a cash register person. That's what I called it, the cash register person. And then we go to the library. I want to be a librarian. But then I went to school and it hit. And my whole, the whole rest of my life up until I went to college was I want to be a teacher or something, 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 psychologist or actress or something. But teacher was always like the main thing. I think that was a good, I have to laugh a little bit because I think the grocery store clerk and the librarian, we basically get to be those now. I always wanted to check out the books too. Yes. And now we just get to go in the library and the grocery store and do it ourselves. It's so. true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, so yeah, you touched on your mission. Tell us about your mission and where you went. Well, I actually didn't want to go on a mission. I was one of those girls and young women. Everybody else seemed to have mission dreams. And I was like, do I have to go? I don't want to go. And then when I was a nanny in Arizona, something started. This is kind of high work with the spirit in my life. Like I start having thoughts and they keep coming back. And it's usually a thought I don't want to have. And then it presses me and presses me. So I ended up coming home from being the nanny. And within the next year, I was out on my mission to Tennessee, Nashville mission, and probably one of the best years and a half, year and a half of my life. And it was just super fun. I got to, I don't know, I just got to do it all, the tracting, riding a bike in a, a dress, um, <laughs> losing my slip on the side of the road as traffic's flying by, you know, tracting in the rain. We just did it all. I had such a great experience, really close knit companions and had a lot of great teaching moments out there. Great. Well, I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit. Um, That's fine. Yeah. So what kept you busy like during your high school years? And, and um, I wasn't super active in sports. I, in junior high, did the manager. I was the manager for volleyball for two years, seventh and eighth grade. I actually loved that. I loved that kind of position. I actually have coached as a teacher, but I've never actually been really good at sports myself. So I did more of, I did French club and just to be part of something. I'm a very extroverted person. I love to connect with people. So I definitely loved the idea of being part of clubs or something. I always had wished I had more of an athletic drive, but I just wasn't very coordinated in anything. I did play softball for City. I did play uh, for many years, softball, and then I did Jack and Jill in college, and I was awful the whole time. I just did it for fun. And is that (laughs) softball, Jack and Jill? I don't know. Yeah, Jack and Jill softball. Well, it's Jack and Jill for anything. It just means boys and girls are playing on the same team. So yeah, our branch in college, we had a student branch, and which was amazing. And it was marrieds and singles, marrieds before kids and singles. And we had this Jack and Jill softball team and we did yeah. it for years. I loved it so much, but I was, I would get nervous before every game because I knew I wasn't going to catch a ball. I knew I wasn't going to hit a ball. I just, yeah. I was, was in the, the deadest zone. Yeah. That's where they put me, <laughs> but it was so fun. Yeah. I got to be with people. Okay. Um, okay. So you went to Boise real quick and then came back, nannied. Mission, mm-hmm. and then and then finished college, and then where did your life take you? Well, I graduated when I was 
gosh, 27. And I ended up staying in Lewiston for a couple of years and worked for the YWCA. I got to run all the children's programs for the homeless and domestic violence shelters. So I got to work with kids in crisis and really learned a lot of skills there on how to communicate and to serve others while trying to help them move forward from whatever trauma or drama they were dealing with. Um, I was the resident just child person. I had kids in my office all the time. I, I ran help groups. I ran the after school reading program and I learned a lot of skills and which probably led me eventually in my teaching. I, I finally got a job in Boise in 2004. I got my first teaching job. And so I moved to Boise and I was there for 16 years. And, and what then age were you teaching? I got hired at a sixth grade middle okay. school, sixth grade, teaching English and social studies. And I loved every minute of it. And then I was let go that first year because I only had a one-year contract and they didn't have enough jobs the next year. So I ended up back in daycare. I'd done daycare for years and years. And I remember crying my first drive home from my first day at the daycare thinking I did not go through all these years of college to go back to daycare and earn, you know, yeah. pennies per hour. And and then I got a, a call and was able to get another job. 12 days into school that year, I was hired late. And then I had another one-year contract. And then finally, my third year of teaching, I got a continuing contract. And I was at that third school for 14 years. So I had 16 years all together in Boise and then moved up here in 2020 during the middle of you know, pandemic. pandemic, staying home. I was actually on my way. Then we were a week out from spring break at my last school in Boise. And I remember it was like the 16th or something. We got the call that we were going to get out the week early. So I went ahead and just packed my bags that night and went home, which I was planning on doing for spring break anyway, and just never came back. Wow. I got hired in Spokane that summer. I went back to Boise for three days, packed up my life, and moved So what up. prompted the move? You just were ready for a change? Or God. To, okay. It's the same reason I went to Boise. Both my moves to Boise and Spokane were based on a thought. I started having that feeling. Like I said earlier, yeah. I that's just how my life works. I, I'm very good at getting settled where I'm at. I love the idea of moving. I do. I love the newness and making new friends and... I mean, it's hard too, like leaving all yeah. your comfort zone, but it usually starts. So I get very comfortable and all of a sudden I'll have this thought and I'll be like, no, 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 no. And then another thought and I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and yeah, it was the same thing with Boise as coming here. I just kept getting stronger and stronger. And both times I wasn't really wanting to move to Boise the first time. I really wasn't yeah. wanting to move to Spokane, but I like the idea of being closer to family. But both times, well, the first time to Boise, I did a lot of praying. I even got a blessing that basically Heavenly Father's like, you already know how to fill the Spirit. You already know yeah, what you're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So this time around when the Spokane idea came up, I was like, I'm going to just follow it. And it's the first house I was able to ever buy. I got a job that just is wonderful. And yeah, it's worked out really. I'm going to knock on wood yes. right here. It's worked out really well so far. And I'm really enjoying my house. I love this ward too. I feel like I hit the jackpot with this ward. So so tell us about where you're at now. What school? And so I'm at Salk Middle School in Northwest Spokane, part of Spokane Public Schools. And I teach seventh grade 
English and eighth grade English this year. Last year I was seventh and eighth grade social studies. They had an opening English. I've taught both my whole career. So I switched over to English this year to work with the people that I worked with this year. And next year I'm taking on yearbook again, but it's a class. I did five years of yearbook in Boise. Okay. So I I quit a long time ago because it was an after school program. It was a lot of work, but they approached me this year and they're, they're losing their yearbook person. And so they approached me, the principals are like, Hey, so what can we do to get you to yearbook? And I was like, I'll do it. It's a class. So that'll be no, perfect. more so time. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Well, tell us about some turning points in your life or some decisions that you made that. Um, well, definitely the mission was a turning point. I did not plan on that. Literally, as I look back on my life, I can see how the spirit has stepped in and prompted me with every major thing. Because like I said, I'm such a, I can just sink into where I'm at. I can get comfortable. I can find my norms. I can create new, new traditions. And every single time with my mission, even with being a nanny, I tried to go back East and I just, nothing was working out. And then I had a friend move to Arizona and she really wanted me to come be her nanny. And I fought it and fought it. It ended up being one of the most important turning points of my life, really. It's really where I learned how I feel and recognize the spirit because I think it's important. Personally, I really do believe that we all have this way that we work with the spirit and how the spirit works with us and who we are personally. And that's why I learned that I really do. It's through thoughts that constantly come for me. And I really know that because it's usually a thought I don't want to (laughs) do. But then suddenly... I feel so peaceful about it. I eventually yeah. get to that point. So yeah, turning point was definitely a mission. Moving to Boise, moving here is definitely a turning point. Teaching, that was the easy thing. I knew yeah. that my whole life. <laughs> well, and I love how you're touching on how you feel the Spirit because I do feel like that's a big thing within the church right now. How do you hear Him? Mm-hmm. And how somebody else, you know, we yeah. can all try to, you know, hear stories about other people and how, but you have to figure out for yourself. And I think it's so important. I really do. I mean, because we all have to rely on the Spirit somehow. I mean, I don't know how I could get through life without (laughs) at least some confirmation somewhere that I'm doing something remotely close to right. Yes. (laughs) So that's good. Well, tell us, it sounds like you have always been a member of the church. Yep, born and raised. How did you gain your testimony of the gospel? So actually... I feel like I've always had a testimony. Like when I look back, I've always felt very strongly about things, but I really can recognize how it was my parents' testimony for this first few. I mean, I was defending the Book of Mormon at five years old to my Catholic neighbor. We both knew our churches were true and knew that our, our scriptures were true. And, and it, I mean, I could still remember Margie, who I mentioned earlier with the haunted houses. We, we did so much together. We even went to each other's churches and I had to. Tell her why the book home run was true. But it wasn't until I was 16, I had a friend, Amber, who was really interested in the church. Um, She was just interested in religion in general. We got into these discussions. We started hanging out more. She actually came over. And it was my first missionary experience with actually having the missionaries come over and teach somebody. But before that even started, we were, she was staying the night with me one night. We were just hanging out, playing games. And we were both laying there in our sleeping bags trying to go to sleep. And we just started talking. And I didn't know it, but we were we were close enough to where I guess my arm was within reach of her shoulder. And we were sitting there having this really deep spiritual conversation. 
and I can't for the life of you tell tell you what exactly we were talking. Something to do with church. She was asking me all these questions, and I didn't know it, but I was sitting there tapping her with my arm. I just kept kind of bumping her with my arm. I didn't even know I was doing it. And she said later on, she said, I said a little prayer and said, God, if what she's telling me is true, have her hit me one more time. And she said right there, I hit her harder than ever. And I had, I, she told me this the next day. I had no recognition, recognition or recollection, excuse me, of even bumping her. Like I think I would know if I was sitting there (laughs) pounding on someone, you know, and and I remember in that moment, I I just, I think that was the first time I really was like, oh my gosh, I felt so peaceful about that story. There was just something that I felt that I hadn't really ever recognized in my own life. And she ended up not getting baptized. It wasn't like this miracle story. Yeah. I, I think it was really for me more than anything. I mean, sure, it was for her too, but she chose to, she did take some discussions and then she never did join the church. And but for me, that was a huge speaking of turning points where I think my first it was really my first experience with the spirit and really recognizing an answer to something. And yeah, it just meant a lot to me. And I got really involved in missionary work at that point in my okay. life. It was exciting. <laughs> yeah, so when you say that, how did you get in? We our family was definitely one that had the missionaries over all the time. Between my sis my older sister and I, we always had friends who were taking discussions. And again, I cool. can't tell you a lot of people who joined the church because of that, but it really me going through that process over and over, it really solidified my testimony in the church and in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ more specifically and just the plan that they have for us and yeah. how I mean I at that point in my life, I really started making every decision with this plan of salvation. Like, I just always had this bigger vision in mind of how, you know, this is just a small part of this huge plan. And, and what can I do to keep myself on that path back to my Heavenly Father? It was a really significant time and in I, my life. I love that. Yeah. Missionary work isn't getting that end goal baptism conversion story. No. I think it's sharing the gospel with, and it's, you know, regardless of the outcome, you never know how it affects. Yeah. And you never know when those people later down the road will reflect on that too. I know I've had harder moments in my life where I've questioned things again, or really it was, is God really real? Or, you know, we always hit those harder times in life too, where we start to maybe falter a little bit or feel spiritually depressed. And I've been able to reflect back on these amazing spiritual moments over my life and say, okay, just because I don't feel it as strong right now doesn't mean I'm still not on the right path. And and then I've been able to pull myself out of those depths of despair, whatever you want to call it. But even on my mission, I met a man who had gone through the discussions so many times. He loved the missionaries, but just could never commit to the church. So there was this couple on my mission and she had been baptized and she was super strong and she was always connected to the sisters. She loved to go out with us on, on splits and things like that, or go out and do visits. But her husband, who was so supportive of her and had been to church and had gone through the discussions multiple times, just never, never joined the church. And then it took, I don't know, just this couple of elders who finally taught him. And that was the moment. It just took him years and years of years and all those missionaries before we used to use him as an example of 
all those missionaries probably felt so like, oh, we did something wrong or we didn't get the baptism or whatever. And our mission president was always like, no, you never know if you're, you know, the planter, the seed planter or the harvester, or maybe you're the person in between who's just helping feed that seed, you know? And so that always stuck with me. And uh, I just think it's true in our own lives that yeah. sometimes we're experiencing something early on in our life that we're able to reflect on later on and we might need it at that time. For sure. So. Oh, perfect. Well, what have you continued to do to nurture your testimony now during your adult life that has caused you to trust in God? You know, a huge thing is just making sure my home has the spirit. Um, you know, I have, yes, I have my picture of Christ and things like that up in my living room, but I have had a roommate in the past who wasn't LDS and which is fine. I've had a couple of roommates and that's fine. There was nothing wrong with that. I loved them dearly. They was very they were very respectful of me. I was respectful of them. But it is nice that I'm at this time in my life where I have full control of the spirit in my home and the things that are, you know, that I can bring into my home and making sure they're in line with the spirit and just creating a place that is meaningful to me and helps me stay close to my Heavenly Father. And just friends. It's so important to have friends that, again, your friends don't have to all be LDS, but friends who support you in your decisions and vice versa, that you can build each other up in positive ways. So seriously, just making sure I'm connected to the right people. Perfect. Well, anything else that you thought of in preparation for this interview that we haven't touched on? No, I think that was pretty much covered. It. I just really think it's cool you guys are doing this. Well, we it's appreciate a great way to get to know being, people. Yes. So to conclude, um, what does being a follower of Christ mean to you? I believe being a follower of Christ means always remembering Him in your actions and your thoughts. And I don't think being a follower of Christ means you're perfect in every way. I think it means you're constantly striving to be like Him. And all that entails, and that can be as simple as smiling at someone instead of, you know, telling them off if they've ruined (laughs) your day. Like, sometimes it really means just the little things we can do each day to be more like our Savior, and the big things will follow. Thank you. Well, thank you, Paula, for sitting down with us today. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you.